say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One matter connected with his management sometimes worried Nicholas. And that was his quick temper together with his old hussar habit of making free use of his fists. At first he saw nothing reprehensible in this, but in the second year of his marriage his view of that form of punishment suddenly changed. Once in summer he had sent for the village elder, Fumbogucherovo, a man who had succeeded to the post when Drone died and who was accused of dishonesty and various irregularities. Nicholas went out into the porch to question him, and immediately after the elder had given a few replies the sound of cries and blows were heard. On returning to lunch, Nicholas went up to his wife, who sat with her head bent low over her embroidery frame, and as usual began to tell her what he had been doing that morning. Among other things he spoke of the Bogucherovo elder. Countess Mary turned red, and then pale, but continued to sit with her head bowed and lips compressed, and gave her husband no reply. "'Such an insolent scoundrel!' he cried, growing hot again at the mere recollection of him. "'If he had told me that he was drunk and did not see—' "'But what is the matter with you, Mary?' he suddenly asked. Countess Mary raised her head, tried to speak, but hastily looked down again, and her lips puckered. "'Why, whatever is the matter, my dearest?' The looks of the plain Countess Mary always improved when she was in tears. She never cried from pain or vexation, but always from sorrow or pity and when she wept her radiant eyes acquired an irresistible charm. The moment Nicholas took her hand she could no longer restrain herself and began to cry. Nicholas, I saw it. He was to blame. But why do you... Nicholas? And she covered her face with her hands. Nicholas said nothing. He flushed crimson, left her side, and paced up and down the room. He understood what she was weeping about, but could not in his heart at once agree with her that what he had regarded from childhood as quite an everyday event was wrong. Is it just sentimentality, old wives' tales, or is she right? He asked himself. Before he had solved that point, he glanced again at her face, filled with love and pain, and he suddenly realized that she was right and that he had long been sinning against himself. Mary, he said softly, going up to her, it will never happen again. I give you my word. Never, he repeated in a trembling voice like a boy asking for forgiveness. The tears flowed faster still from the countess's eyes. She took his hand and kissed it. "'Nicholas, when did you break your cameo?' she asked to change the subject, looking at his finger on which he wore a ring with a cameo of Laocoon's head. "'Today. It was the same affair. Oh, Mary, don't remind me of it.' And again he flushed. "'I give you my word of honor it shan't occur again, and let this always be a reminder to me.' And he pointed to the broken ring. After that, when in discussions with his village elders or stewards the blood rushed to his face and his fists began to clench, Nicholas would turn the broken ring on his finger and would drop his eyes before the man who was making him angry. But he did forget himself once or twice within a twelve-month, and then he would go and confess to his wife and would again promise that this should really be the very last time. 
Mary, you must despise me, he would say. I deserve it. You should go. Go away at once if you don't feel strong enough to control yourself, she would reply sadly, trying to comfort her husband. Among the gentry of the province, Nicholas was respected but not liked. He did not concern himself with the interests of his own class, and consequently some thought him proud and others thought him stupid. The whole summer, from spring sowing to harvest, he was busy with the work on his farm. In autumn he gave himself up to hunting with the same business-like seriousness, leaving home for a month or even two with his hunt. In winter he visited his other villages, or spent his time reading. The books he read were chiefly historical, and on these he spent a certain sum every year. He was collecting, as he said, a serious library, and he made it a rule to read through all the books he bought. He would sit in his study with a grave air, reading, a task he first imposed upon himself as a duty, but which afterwards became a habit affording him a special kind of pleasure, and a consciousness of being occupied with serious matters. In winter, except for business excursions, he spent most of his time at home making himself one with his family, and entering into all the details of his children's relations with their mother. The harmony between him and his wife grew closer and closer, and he daily discovered fresh spiritual treasures in her. From the time of his marriage, Sonia had lived in his house. Before that, Nicholas had told his wife all that had passed between himself and Sonia, blaming himself and commending her. He had asked Princess Mary to be gentle and kind to his cousin. She thoroughly realized the wrong he had done Sonia, felt herself to blame toward her, and imagined that her wealth had influenced Nicholas's choice. She could not find fault with Sonia in any way, and tried to be fond of her, but often felt ill-will toward her, which she could not overcome. Once she had a talk with her friend Natasha about Sonia, and about her own injustice toward her. "'You know,' said Natasha, "'you have read the Gospels a great deal. There is a passage in them that just fits Sonia.' "'What?' asked Countess Mary, surprised. "'To him that hath shall be given.' and from him that hath not shall be taken away. You remember. She is one that hath not. Why, I don't know. Perhaps she lacks egotism. I don't know. But from her is taken away, and everything has been taken away. Sometimes I am dreadfully sorry for her. Formerly I very much wanted Nicholas to marry her, but I always had a sort of presentiment that it would not come off. She is a sterile flower, you know, like some strawberry blossoms. Sometimes I am sorry for her, and sometimes I think she doesn't feel it as you or I would. Though Countess Mary told Natasha that those words in the Gospel must be understood differently, yet looking at Sonia she agreed with Natasha's explanation. It really seemed that Sonia did not feel her position trying, and had grown quite reconciled to her lot as a sterile flower. She seemed to be fond not so much of individuals as of the family as a whole. Like a cat, she had attached herself not to the people, but to the home. She waited on the old countess, petted and spoiled the children, was always ready to render the small services for which she had a gift, and all this was unconsciously accepted from her, with insufficient gratitude. The country seat at Bald Hills had been rebuilt, though not on the same scale as under the old prince. The buildings, begun under strange circumstances, were more than simple. The immense house on the old stone foundations was of wood, plastered only inside. It had bare deal floors and was furnished with very simple hard sofas, armchairs, tables, and chairs, made by their own surf carpenters out of their own birch wood. The house was spacious and had rooms for the house serfs and apartments for visitors. Whole families of the Rostovs and Bolkonskys' relations sometimes came to Bald Hills with sixteen horses and dozens of servants and stayed for months. Besides that, four times a year, on the name days and birthdays of the hosts, as many as a hundred visitors would gather there for a day or two. The rest of the year life pursued its unbroken routine with its ordinary occupations, and its breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and suppers provided out of the produce of the estate. End of chapter 8
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.